So before we get started, I want to tell you about the best thing that has happened to the podcasting world, and that is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You can go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. You can even find it on the App Store of any iPhone or Android. The app is called Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Back at it again. Another Sunday. Another episode. What are we on? 23 now? 23. Woo! 23. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Pumping them out. Man. That's a good number. Every week. Um, okay, so this week we have Isaiah Hagens, who is in the Air Force, right? Yes, sir. So he's yes, in the sir. Air Force, nice. and you live where right now? I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas. That's, that's my second home. All right, so we got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, give us some background info, and uh, how how'd you get to the Air Force, how'd you get to Las Vegas? Where are we at? Well, um, I went to college at Kentucky State University, um, and I was, I, I was fairly active in my community, um, in, in that community, as far as... Um, as far as reach as far as reach out as far as making people aware of what was going on in the, in the community um i was on the sga which is student government association i was vice president of the freshman class nice. um i was there when we protested um when we protested our governor uh matt bevin of, of kentucky this is this is a few years ago this is this is a long time what, ago. what year huh what year 2015, 2016, around that time. Okay, okay. Uh, so he, he was elected governor, and he immediately tried to make a 4% budget cut to higher education, which was something that was going to directly affect us. And immediately, we we were there protesting, picketing, whatever you want to call it. And that was really my first introduction into, um, into something bigger than myself for okay. better purpose. Um, now, things didn't work out for me at college. I was just not a good student. Like, th- there's no way around it. I wasn't a good student. Uh, so that that wound up getting me to where I was seeing an Air Force recruiter. Um, and, and then the rest is history. I, I saw a recruiter. I went to basic training. went to tech school. And then I've been here in, in Las Vegas since 2017. And... Uh, my career by trade is I'm an aircraft mechanic. I work on the F-35 um, and I'm a crew chief. So I do all of the all of the vehicle systems. So if you think of the 
F-35 as a human being, you could think of me as the orthopedic surgeon, the one that okay. fixes all the broken bones, or the, or the nutritionist. I, I make sure all the fluids are good and everything like that. Okay. Um, and right now, I actually have a different job. I got hired as, um, as a maintenance liaison for what's called Red Flag. Now, Red Flag is a... The best way to put it is a war games exercise for um, for coalition allied forces. Um, basically, a few times a year, country units from all over the country and all over the world they come here and they fly for two or three weeks and and they do the whole war games thing. My job is to coordinate with the maintenance teams. I tell them where they're gonna go, um, where they're gonna park their jets at, where they're going to work out of. I help them get the equipment they need, things like that. Yeah, so, so when I you say when you say war games, is this kind of like a kind of like a recreation or like a reenactment or like a a scrimmage kind of like a what is that? Think of it like Top Gun. Think of it like Top Gun. So you know how how yeah. in movie they were in simulated combat against each other in, in the beginning. Uh, they weren't actually shooting at each other, but it was the same environment. That's what that is. Okay. So it, it's a better way to think about it. Um, but yeah, so I help with their maintenance teams. I make sure everything goes smoothly. Anything that needs to be done goes to me or one of my coworkers. And we are on, I think, I'm not good at math, but we've been going strong since 19, I want to say 75. Okay. And it's gone off without a hitch. This the last exercise we did was in August, July or August, and we had a deck of cars stacked against us because we had uh, personnel restrictions because of covid we right. had units that they couldn't come we had units that tried to fill in when they were on the list and we ended up having a very successful red flag and it's just a testament to the work that we put in and the work that our our allies put in so okay but yeah that's just a little bit about me um, you uh you really do you enjoy it? I mean, this is something yeah. that you're really enjoying. Yeah, absolutely. Parts um, of it, some parts not so much. I'd say the most annoying part is when somebody uh, <laughs> turns into a Karen because sometimes somebody <laughs> will need something. Sometimes somebody will need something and they'll say, "Oh, I need this. I need this, 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 and this now." And it's like, "Well, sorry, you can't help you with that. Not allowed to do that." A lot or, of Karens in the Air Force. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, Karens here are are a problem <laughs> in the Air Force. Uh, but honestly, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Uh, I've I've only been there for a few months, and I've already I've, I've made some good connections. I've I've met some incredible people. Um, I've learned a lot about um, about the value of of having connections. Uh, and the value of being able to say yes or no definitively and sticking to it. Mm -hmm. I know I, I know it seems kind of weird, but um, if you're somebody that knows how to say no or knows how to say yes and stick to your guns, um, this is a job that will definitely uh, be suited for you. But again, that, that's just that's kind of a tangent. But, what, uh, but yeah. what do you what do you uh, think are some uh, misconceptions that people have who just have no involvement with the military? What are some what are some misconceptions they might have about like the branch itself and like maybe what you do or what you guys do collectively? 
Like, what are what are some things that you've heard that you gotta call some bullshit on? And, and <laughs> uh, well, the first thing uh, off the top of my head is I'm not a pilot. Every uh, every time I tell somebody I'm in the Air Force, the first thing they say is, "Oh, are you a pilot?" No, <laughs> no, I'm a pilot. Um, but uh, some other misconceptions. Um, of course, of course, there, there's the whole stere- uh, chair force stereotype, you know, <laughs> that, that we're that we're just nerds sitting on computers and stuff like that. And although that's pretty pretty much like eighty percent of my job, <laughs> uh, well, I will say there are some uh, there are a lot of career fields in the Air Force that are, that are not that. For example, my my career by trade. I, I can work 10, 11, 12, even up to 14 hours on like on my feet, working working with my hands on a jet, you know, fixing a jet, make sure, making sure this jet makes its sortie, makes its takeoff, whatever. Um, we have a, an incredible special ops unit or, or uh, selection of special ops units. We have parent rescue, there's combat control, there's SEER, which is survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. It's basically how to survive as a POW, um, things like that. Um, and, and a POW is a prisoner of war? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so for example, our, our SEER teams, uh, they train anybody that has to fly. So whether you're a flight attendant, which is an actual job, is an actual job in the Air Force, whether you're a flight attendant or a pilot or somebody who loads stuff on the cargo planes and you fly with the plane, no matter what it is, if, if you have to leave the ground at all, you have to go through SEER training. And basically they put you into a simulated environment and and teach you how to survive. Um, they teach you how to survive in the wilderness, they teach you combat training, they teach you water. Um, uh, for example, how to escape if your aircraft goes down in the water, things like that. Um, but those guys are, are some of the toughest people in the military. I would not wanna, I would not wanna screw with those guys. Um, Very interesting. Uh, are you personally combat trained? Uh, I don't. I don't know what kind. Of, let me let me rephrase that question. What kind of combat training do you receive, and what kind of combat combat training is available to receive? Um, um so one stereotype about the Air Force that is true is that our basic training is pretty easy. Like it's not something I'm going to sit and, and you know try to try to pretty up. Our basic training is pretty easy. It's pretty much paid summer camp. Um, it's pretty much what. Paid summer camp, basically. Oh. <laughs> Paid summer camp, um, all right. So our combat training is, um, it, it's a lot of the basics, how to disassemble a rifle, how to assemble it, how to carry it, how to um, make sure you're practicing, you know, basic gun safety, um, how to how to move tactically through a city, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the actual combat training is fairly minimal mm-hmm. because that's not what the air force specializes in now if you go into security forces which is the air force's version of military police you receive more in-depth training you get trained in hand-to-hand combat which they call combatives you get trained in verbal judo you get you get more weapons training um things like that and verbal judo is how to de-escalate a situation with your words before you have to get visible but it's something that's very very valuable mm. um things like that. And then beyond that, you have special ops guys, you know, guys like pararescue or we call them PJs or parajumpers. There's there's a bunch of different words we call them. We have guys in SEER, uh, which, which is what I talked about before. We have combat control, which is, um, it's similar to, 
from my understanding, again, I could be wrong because I'm not I'm not in combat control. But from what I understand, it's similar to to like the Rangers, uh, so to speak. Okay. Now, if if somebody is in combat control or something like that and heard that, they're probably like angrily typing a comment at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good comparison for somebody that that um is be looking okay. for fighting. Yeah. But um. But if you get into special ops, your combat training is super in depth. You could, you can get trained on pretty much anything you want. Uh, for example, for example, the movie Black Hawk Down, um, one of the most famous military movies, is you know in American history. Um, one of the guys in that chopper was an Air Force pararescue or an Air Force PJ. A lot of people don't know that. Um, the PJs they receive, for the most part, just about the same training as the Navy SEALs. And oh, then wow. it's a year of paramedic training, but combat paramedic training. Um, they're basically combat medics with guns that can kill you right. without thinking, <laughs> so to speak. Sure. Um, so for the average Air Force member, we don't receive a whole lot of combat training. Um, we receive training on, or rather a lot of training on security, how, how to make sure uh, we're not compromising our job. I make sure we're not compromising our own personal information, information of our workers, things like that. Um, although that's not combat, that is, that is something that the Air Force um, makes sure that we are we are always vigilant about and always trained about. Um, so, for example, um, if there's any questions that you may ask me, I may have to say, "Oh, I can't talk about that because it'll put myself or my unit or my base at risk." Things mm-hmm. like that. And, and the Air Force is is very prideful with the training that they give us in that aspect. And I don't have the, the statistics at, on hand, but our um, security incidents have been going down from, from my understanding for the or for, for the past several years. So things like uh, a leak of PII, which is personally identifiable information. Mm-hmm. Things like your social security number, your your phone number, your personal email address, your at your home address, things like that. That's PII. Well, um, in the past few years that I've been in, um, I have seen a decline in cases where um, there's a breach of information, and then there has to be another mass briefing to everybody in the Air Force. Say, hey, don't look out for this. Look out for this. Look out for this. I've noticed fewer of those cases over the years that have been, and I just passed my four-year mark. Um, so that is something that I will say the Air Force is, is, has always been on top of me, make, making sure everybody is trained on. Um, I'm not saying that the other branches don't, because I'm not in those branches, so I can't right. speak for them. But I know that the Air Force has always been on top of that and is always, um, and is always vigilant. Is the is the best word I can I can give for that. Well, something I want to get out of the way <clears throat> that might be one of those things that. Uh, you're not allowed to talk about, but I have to ask just because you might have. There, there's two, two, two things that might be a little goofy, and then we can get on to the more serious stuff. So first of all, space force. <laughs> oh man! So uh, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna man. say, and I'm gonna give the reins to you. Uh, so yes space or force. no? Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I would join the space force if, if I if I if I could. But uh, from my understanding, the Space Force, what they did, once it was officially created, they took Air Force Space Command and put a new name on the chest. 
and then the, the, but they still have the same ranks as the Wait. Air Force. Wait, Air Force, space, can, hold on, hold on. Whoa, back that so up. So you didn't even know about that. I didn't even know about that, man. <laughs> what is Space yeah, so, Command? So, Buzz Lightyear, so what's going on? The Air Force's motto is... Um, to is, infinity uh, and beyond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> long cross. Yeah. Right? Oh, <laughs> man. So our main focus is on air space and cyberspace so we do things like uh, working with satellites um um uh missile defense things like that uh mm. so for example again uh, now i just i just need to make this clear this this isn't something that actually happened or probably something that's going to happen i'm just using this as an example i'm not trying to be inflammatory i'm not trying to get people alarmed but let's just say a country a random country like like um let's just say wakanda Wakanda, yeah, Wakanda, perfect. There we go. Let's say Wakanda decided to shoot missiles at us in the air. Well, immediately the Air Force the satellites would pick that up, and we would have, and we would have defenses. Anti-defense. Like that or, within within uh, seconds. Um, we 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 are stationed all over the world, and our community our, our communication system is massive, so we can we can be mobilized to anywhere on the planet in thirty minutes. Um, and wow. That, and that's, just a, and that's just a testament to the work that that everybody in the air force does but but you know i have to show love to specifically uh the flight line workers and the pilots the people that you know so my people and people that i work with um without maintainers such as crew chiefs or weapons loaders or software people things like that um there would be no no air force we wouldn't be we, we wouldn't be the the global power that we are um as as an air force um but yes, we do have a, we, we did have an Air Force Space Command. But uh, from my understanding, we're kind of things like satellites and and yeah. um, missile defense systems, things like that. Yeah. Um, and for the Space Force, they just took the Air Force name off the uniform, put Space Force on it. So, but in the future, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, it could be one of those things that that kind of dies out. It could be one of those things that that blossoms into an entire another branch that's taken seriously, and it's not just. Diet Air Force. You know well, and you have a <laughs> Diet Air Force. I love you have that. you have uh, but, companies yeah. like SpaceX and whatnot. You know, getting, uh, you know, in the next five ten years, they want to have uh, manned flights that will you know navigate around the globe. You know, mm-hmm. up past the stratosphere, and so mm-hmm. uh, we could have Space Force personnel stationed in space. I mean, um, and doing everything that, from up there. I mean, that would be cool, but that would be so expensive. That right. would be so expensive because you got to think. Uh, if there's an astronaut on the on the International Space Station, the longest they stay in space is 18 months per se. And 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 that these are like a long time. Yeah, and these are these are seasoned, experienced astronauts, and it's expensive every time we want to send one or two guys up there because of training so, as well. Yeah, exactly. All, all the all the millions and probably close to billions of dollars of training just to send three or four guys up to the International Space Station. Uh, so is it realistic? I don't think so, but it would be super cool. Right. And, and, and while we're talking about not realistic, but would be cool, I think Space uh, space Force people should be called Starship Troopers. Because I digress. If Elon Musk gets a hold of it, then that's probably the direction they'll go. You see, yeah, he uses that, that, a lot of like 
a lot of old school sci-fi names for a lot of the projects he does. Um. Well, the uh, the okay, so so Space Force in a nutshell is just not not a very big deal right now. It's just yeah. it's just a, a name to call people something. It, or excuse that me. they've already been doing. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that people have already been doing with a new name on it. Okay. No, um, I'm not 100 sure what's in the plans, how to develop it into its own fully functioning branch, but that is correct. Um, so like I said, in the future, it could be something that uh, that is successful. It could be something that they decide to do away with. I don't know because I don't have that information. I haven't been told anything. Um, so. I, I apologize if, if you if you're hoping for a better answer. But. No, it's all good. It's all good. That, that's that's mm-hmm. totally fine. Um, okay, next question. Um, mm-hmm. So, I there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of those posts. Those those I'm not a big fan of these posts, but it's like such and such happened and nobody even noticed, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Insert insert you know sensational story and nobody's even talking about it. So I'm not a big fan of those posts, but I had to compulsively fact check it. And uh, it was about uh, a whole bunch of like UFO documents being declassified by the CIA or, or whatever, right? So- The Pentagon, I believe. It, or maybe, yeah, maybe it was the Pentagon. Um, so I, I uh, I'm not gonna pretend that I like forensically searched, but I did a, mm-hmm. I did a quick browse and found zero, zero source material with any substance. Like, I literally went through, like, 15 different documents that was just, like, Mm -hmm. this object was described. I don't think that the object uh, is a UFO, but, Mm -hmm. you know, because the word UFO was in the document, it was, like, part of the declassified whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is stuff from, like, decades ago. But it was. But it's just, like, it's, like, an information dump of absolutely worthless documents so did you find it on like the pentagram's website i, I found it on a couple of gov websites and it was just like again it was it was official documents it was on a government website but it was declassified but mm, there was nothing of any remote substance to anything like nobody can say like mm. the cia declassified ufos like they didn't admit to having a relationship with extraterrestrial beings. They didn't <laughs> admit to having, you know, technology that was that was uh, discovered or, or gifted. You know what I mean? There were so yeah. many implications to this uh, declassified UFO information. It's that like those uh, had absolutely no merit. It's like those mystery uh, hit, like the History Channel, how they have like those mysterious things about, like they have these episodes about things that could be, and they go through all the stuff, like saying how this could be, and and maybe this did happen, yeah. and you're waiting yeah. for an answer at the end of the show, but they never give you the direct answer. They're just exactly. leading you on, exactly. and so that so, kind of sounds like what just happened. So, so to to actually ask the question, like. You seen any spooky stuff? You heard any <laughs> spooky stories, man? You heard any cool things? Do you that... have any strange uh, aircraft flying around that the Speci- American I... public have no idea about? I guess specifically... That's probably just declassified information. Is there, um, is there any anything that you've seen that might defy the expectations of the average person who's like, well, what do you think they do in the Air Force? 
<laughs> I'm glad we're getting the silly questions out of the way. <laughs> Semi-serious, but um, I'm, a, I'm a little so, bit serious. So I, I personally haven't haven't seen anything that could be that I would qualify as a U as a UFO or anything like that. But I guess the one cool thing that would be a logical explanation as to why somebody could more or less take it as a uh, as an alien ship or something like that is, for example, the F-35B model. The F-35B model is is the variation that the Marine Corps uses. They have a, you have a, a turbofan in the middle, and it, it, it allows the jet to land vertically like this. Um, so, like a helicopter. Um, Basically, so it is. So it's called the uh, it's called the um, Stovall, the standard takeoff vertical landing variation of the F thirty five. So I guess if somebody, uh, let's just say somebody would uh, happen to to be looking in their binoculars or or happen to be looking at a Marine Corps ship while they were out on out fishing or something like that, and they saw uh, an aircraft coming like this and land. Yeah, like that could absolutely be seen as, oh my gosh, the Air Force has has UFOs, but I don't, I haven't seen anything that's that's too crazy or, or could be um, deemed as. It's kind of just a, a testament to. Would you be able to talk about it even if, uh, <laughs> even if you did know though? <laughs> oh no, no, no. that'll be one of the things where, uh, or if I did have access to those things, or or um, or or even worked in the, in the same zip code as those things i um they would uh I, I wouldn't have my phone i wouldn't be allowed to look at it i wouldn't be able to be able to ask about it and i wouldn't be able to talk about it even to my pillow it, it, it would be one of those things that uh if i told anybody even 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 my pet cat the air force would know about it you know what i'm saying so um, you so you being in the air force being uh active duty military have not received any kind of mention or whisper or Oh, hint no, no. that there is any kind of uh, relationship beyond, like, there's no there's no extraterrestrials that you're aware of. There's no uh, <laughs> futuristic technology that that's being, you know, like, because again, this is all on the pretense that uh, mm -hmm. the government released their classified their classified documents, you know, that they that they mm -hmm. supposedly gave up. And are saying like there's aliens now which is how a lot of people interpreted that right but again i found nothing of any substance whenever i started looking into it and you know i'm i'm it sounds like we're coming up short again so damn yeah no uh, uh <laughs> not yet i'm, I'm sorry to disappoint but uh <laughs> but no personally personally me as isaiah higgins not as senior airman higgins i think aliens do exist i just think they are waiting for us to, you know, stop trying to kill each other. That's just, you know, I, I think I think there's just some work that we're doing, but I believe there's aliens out there. Oh, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent like yeah. I have no doubt, but I was really hoping for just some kind of just like <laughs> like Oh no, no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't yeah, I didn't see the wink or anything. So um now I will, I will say sometimes there are um uh, for uh, for example, in Las Vegas, the, the, uh, sometimes we fly at nighttime. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just I mean that's, that's something that like if you live in the local area, like you can hear them taking off at nighttime. So mm -hmm. maybe sometimes somebody looks up and they and they see uh, the wing, the wing lights and they don't hear anything. So like so they're they make an assumption and they're like oh my gosh that's a that's a floating ship mm -hmm. or things like that. But 
I haven't seen anything, I haven't heard anything. It's not, and 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 I haven't yeah. even, um, I, I haven't heard anything from people that that supposedly say they have have gone to uh, to Area Fifty One or or been there or sorry Area Fifty Two technically is what is what they're is what they're called. Because um, I think I I think that Area Fifty One that we know like like the whole big raid like on Area Fifty One last year, I think Area Fifty One is like is just the public eye or is the public version like a decoy um, right yeah and in area 52 the real spot um, is called the s4 and it's probably been moved by now yeah exactly i think like like the, like the only room i've heard is that there's an area 52 now is is, is what i was getting at that um, is very yeah. conspicuously titled like that sounds like decoy number two yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's like area 51 part two like like, yeah. like but like at best, at best, that was just a rumor that we, that that I heard one day, and we were like, oh, like like oh, I I doubt that they actually have secret stuff at Area Fifty One. And somebody was like, oh, like like I bet they probably have it at a different place, and they're calling it Area Fifty Two. Like right. that's probably the most uh, out, outlandish claim that I've heard. Have you surprising. seen all the um, like the Bob Lazar stuff on Netflix and whatnot? Mm-hmm. I haven't wow. seen that. That's a whole can mm-hmm. of worms. Good stuff. <laughs> I think I think it's some stuff that you might find particularly either interesting or comical. Being you know again being in the military, there's a lot mm-hmm. of preconceived notions, a lot of like Hollywood uh, influenced notions that people have about like military life and and you know the kinds of information and the kinds of activities that are that are being you know done. So mm-hmm. so you know. I, I'm sure you get a kick out of it, but there's, there's, uh, I think there's a couple of them. One of them is just, I'm pretty sure, just called like Bob Lazar, and or, or I'll check it out. The one you need to watch is, uh, I think it was directed and produced by uh, Jeremy Corbell. If you can find that one, it's yeah, definitely worth it. watching. And then, um, and then I think, didn't Joe Rogan interview him? Like Jeremy Corbell? No, no, no. He he did an interview with uh, Bob Lazar and Jeremy Corbell. Who, oh, both of them. Yeah, because. Jeremy Corbell's probably been the closest person to Bob Lazar when it comes to, uh, you know, getting that information yeah. out in the last cool. last few years. But um, if you don't mind, uh, I would kind of like to segue into a little more serious uh, yeah, yeah. questions. Um, you, how long have you been in the Air Force? Uh, I just passed my four-year mark in June. Okay, so um, were you? Uh, I guess you were being enlisted around the time Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. Um, any, uh, yeah. any talk or anything that you've noticed, uh, different within the military branches and, uh, how our situation, uh, as U S military, uh, mm-hmm. just here or around the world, uh, has it improved? Is it, uh, looking better, looking worse? Yeah. Um, so before I answer that question, I need to get two things out of the way. One, uh, first thing is um, anything that I say regard, uh, regarding anything that can be um, inflammatory, I need, I need to clarify that my opinions are my own and do not reflect that of my unit, the Air Force, military, the Department of Defense, or the United States government. They're my own and solely my own. I need, I need to clarify them. I need to get that out of the way uh, before I even answer anything. And the second thing is, um, you're correct. So I joined in June of, June of 16. Um, so I didn't get a, um, a very good, 
um, what's, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A sample size of working under President Obama because I was in basic training and I was in tech school, so I didn't get to experience um, working operationally under under him. And so, so by the time I got to my duty station, it was March of 2017, so President Trump had already been elected. Um, so I can't really offer the best opinion on that. Um, I, um, I don't want to talk badly about, um, about, uh, anybody in the military, anybody in my chain of command or anything like that. Um, but one, but one, a couple of positive, a couple of positive things I will say is, um, um, we got, or we got to serve under the second black chief master sergeant in the air force. His name was, uh, Khaled O'Wright. And this guy was called enlisted Jesus. And he, um, so the chief master in the Air Force is the top enlisted person in the Air Force. And this guy is awesome, man. He is, uh, he cares about his airmen. He cares about the work that he does. Um, I've heard many stories of, um, of him visiting this base or that base. And when he asks, oh, hey, what can we do to improve? He, he will actually physically take out a notebook and make notes saying, uh, this person says this is this, this and we, and then uh, and then he would sit, have a discussion with them about this and move on to the next question and things like that. Um, so he got up there. So just just to give you a couple examples, he 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 authorized us to wear OCPs, which are the um, which are the tan and kind of green uniforms that, that you see. Um, the Army wore them for a long time, but the Air Force we only wore them when we deployed. Um, but he authorized us to to wear them like any time, and that's something that that we've been asking for for a long time. He got it done in a year. I think. What's the significance um, of that, like specific? Um... Give me two seconds, and I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see it. It's <clears throat> exciting. Yeah, the anticipation. <laughs> it's building. You're gonna come out in like a costume. A gorilla outfit. Gorilla be a outfit. Yes, that'd be amazing. Have you seen the Sasquatch guy with the the saxophone? Yes. The sax Sasquatch. Yes. Yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. He's about to troll the shit. Out. <laughs> oh no. So. So for one, uh, the, the old uniforms that we wore were called ABUs or Airman Battle Uniforms. Um, they're the this green slash kind of gray uh -huh. cam camouflage color that camouflages with literally nothing. And <laughs> it's like that digital camo kind of look. Yeah, digital camo, and they're not very comfortable and anything like that. OCPs are these, okay. uh, uh, this color. Um, they're a lot more comfortable. They're a lot more breathable, and honestly, they're they're they look a lot cooler. Um, yeah, they're they're more flattering. Um, if, if that makes sense. It um, is. Everybody looks cool wearing OCPs. It, it, it's just it's that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but it's something that we've been asking for for years. Um, we had, uh, and it just kept getting turned down, turned down, denied, 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 and then Chief Chief Wright came in and got it done. Um, he got rid of things like, um, now, th now this is, this is a thing that requires a little bit of context that would probably take a little bit too long to explain. So I don't want to bore you guys too much, but 
basically, if you're up for promotion um, and you have to test for it, you have to do what's called an EPR or an enlisted performance report. Um, and it's, it's basically just a list of things you've done in your job, things you've done in your community, and things you've done in school, things like that. Um, and it's graded on a scale of one to five, three is average. Um, so if you're so if, you, if you're the type of person that just shows up, you do your job and you go home, you get a three. And then a four and then a five is the best. Or if you did something bad and you got in trouble, you get a two or a one. One is you're getting out of the Air Force, basically. Two is you did something bad. Um, now, I bring that up because for a long time, people of every rank had to do an EPR. Um, but in the Air Force, E1, 2, 3, and 4 are given to you. You don't have to test for it. So it was more or less pointless for somebody to have to do an EPR as an E2. When, you know, if you're an E2, you haven't been in the Air Force very long, so you don't have a good package to send, um, or you just have to make something up, you know, but, but you're not testing for promotion, so your EPR won't, won't give you any, or, or won't help you at all. Oh, also, I should throw in, if you get a four or a five on your EPR, you get bonus points when you test for promotion. So that's, so that was the significance of that. So anyway, um, Chief Wright, took away EPRs for E3s and below. So you don't have to do an EPR until you're in E4 testing for E5. And I know that's something simple, but it's something that has helped improve the Air Force's um, abilities, uh, honestly, just our ability to get things done. Because for a long time- You have more space to focus on things that matter exactly. more. Exactly. Um, so that was something that, that was something that I noticed. And fast forward to now, um, the Air Force now has the first ever chief of staff of a, of a branch of the military is black. Um, Very nice, nice. And we, we also have, and uh, serving under, uh, under him, we also have the first ever um, uh, female chief master sergeant of the Air Force. Um, and those are two huge milestones that- For sure. Uh, I don't want to say I didn't think was possible, but I didn't think I would see in my lifetime. Um, <clears throat> well, to to kind of switch gears a little bit maybe i know that you know again being in the military it might not be the best idea to talk about like inflammatory topics that surround the administration but something i think that you might be able to voice your opinion on is uh something that i'm really surprised is still like an issue in any capacity but the uh kneeling um, okay at sports games right so yeah you're active duty military you you know the 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 argument as i understand it is that to kneel during the national anthem is to disrespect the flag and disrespect the military that are you know serving to quote protect our freedoms and, and whatnot so first off being in the military just like straight up do you feel disrespected when somebody kneels um, personally i don't um i know that a lot of people say it's disrespectful towards the military because um the military has that uh, the flag on the uniform when they're um when they're out fighting and unfortunately dying things like that but i think people conflate wearing the flag to fighting for the flag um when uh i don't serve to protect 
the image of the flag I serve to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic. And within that Constitution is your right to is your right to protest however you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't serve to um, I don't serve to look good in the eyes of somebody who flies a flag. I serve to protect the rights of the people, people that I to love protest. and all the American people, and that includes their First Amendment right to protest. Uh, so something I'll, some, something I'm gonna touch on is a lot of people forget that the first time Kaepernick protested, he sat down. It was mm-hmm. it was a preseason game in 2016. He sat down during the anthem, and after that time, uh, Green Beret sent him an open letter and wanted to have a discussion with him. And he, um, his name was Nate Boyer. Um, he sat down with Colin Kaepernick um, and and told him that if he wanted to to voice his protest and make his movement heard without disrespecting the military um what he should do is take a knee instead of instead of sit down um and that was coming from a green beret and um and i think and and mind you i'm 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 checking i'm checking my uh my facts on this so i don't speak anything too inflammatory i appreciate that (laughs) but i believe the uh, the reason you said that is because at a military funeral uh, once the flag has been folded and is being presented to the widow or or the child or or, or the, the main loved one of the of the person that was lost, the person takes a knee, hands it to that. So it's representative of honoring this person in the service with this flag. Now, um, I like I said, I don't feel disrespected. Um, you know, I myself have been a victim of. You know, of racial discrimination by the police. You know, thank God I haven't been assaulted or, or shot or anything by the police. But it's it's definitely something that has affected my life, and um, I I appreciate the fact that people are willing to stand up and use their platform for um, for a cause bigger than themselves. Um, something that a lot of people aren't willing to do. Um, but I'll. I understand why people think that it is disrespectful. Um, it's something that, you know, uh, looking at it from the surface, you know, you hear the national anthem and you see the flag, you know, like one of the things you're going to associate that with is, is the military, you know, most likely. Um, but if you actually read into it, um, if you if you actually read into it and look into the details, it's it's something that has a lot more meaning than just, oh, flag bad, I'm gonna take a knee. Um, it's using your platform to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand up for, um, for the national kingdom for a flag of a country that, that doesn't feel the needs to protect me and, and my people and protect our rights and things like that. Um, so for, for I'm, I'm gonna use this as an example. Um, a few weeks ago, it's probably a few weeks at this point, Ben Shapiro was on Joe Rogan podcast. And one of the, one of the things they brought up was this Green Beret. And they brought up a video clip of Colin Kaepernick saying he met with the Green Beret and he told, and he told him to, to kneel. And in seeing that clip, 
Ben Shapiro even conceded a little bit. He said, okay, I didn't know that before. Mind you, this is four years after it happened. This interview yeah, happened yeah, in 2020. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's no secret that Ben Shapiro is one of the biggest critics of Colin Kaepernick. Um, right. But in uh, him seeing that clip that aired in 2016, he said, I didn't know that before. Now, I didn't... Would have helped uh, to look I, into it, wouldn't it? Exactly. exactly. So I think, it, I think if somebody... Um, is going to be upset about uh, about kneeling or anything like that. They should. Or the, um, I encourage everybody to read into the message and read into the reason why it's happening in the first place. You know. Well, one um, thing that I find interesting is the fact that anybody thinks that they have a right to demand a protest be the way they like it right so mm -hmm. there is no part of protesting that is supposed to be comfortable for anybody right. the whole point yeah. is to protest not to not to occupy an empty space and just hear yourself talk right you're trying to get everyone's attention you're trying to you're trying to uh uh help a cause move forward so why are you why would you try to dictate the pace or the presence or the method of the protest above listening to what is being protested, above paying attention to why people are upset? Instead of saying, how can I make this affect me less? Say, like, what's the actual issue here? Like, what are, what are we actually talking about, right? So mm -hmm. I, that, that's something that I find interesting is, like, why... why we're trying to make protests more comfortable. You're trying to just enjoy your sports. You know what I mean? Like, how is that a good excuse to turn a, a deaf ear to, to this issue that's that's resounding all over the world now? You know, this is this is a historically unprecedented uh, uh, movement. You know what I mean? So I think. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That's I mean that, that that's about what I had to say on on that part. Is just like what a. Uh, he literally he literally got the method of protest from somebody in the military somebody who's in a in a very prestigious branch of the military so i mean what more could you do and now they're now they're not even kneeling now they're doing the the arm lock thing yeah you, you exactly that? exactly that that's what i was about to bring up uh at this next at this next game or last game or sorry first game of the season they they linked arms with each other they weren't taking a knee they weren't sitting down they were literally linking arms in unison one of the things that a lot of conservatives and people who are against the protests have been saying is is all these protests are just are just causing divisiveness they're, they just want to be divisive and this and that well they're literally locking arms in unity with or, and in solidarity with each other and people are mad about that now i don't have um for, I, I don't have a degree in psychology or sociology or anything like that so um th th this is just my is this is just my take on it um i think that a lot of people don't want to accept the reality of what of what people are protesting you know it's uncomfortable um, something yeah, exactly. uh it, it's very un it's uncomfortable and it's um it's a hard thing to accept mm -hmm. and well something thing, I, I thought was was very interesting uh in you know i have i have lots of conversations about this topic um on the internet and um Mm -hmm. Right. One thing I was I was having a conversation with somebody who was like, we we kept proposing scenarios. We were like, so 
during this time period was America not racist? It's like, well, if we if we define it as the you know systemic oppression of 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 uh, of, a, of a marginalized group, then yes, absolutely. You know, it's like, all right, so what about this example? And we kept arriving at the same conclusion. Oh yeah, America was super racist in that in that particular yeah. era or in that particular moment. And it was like, so you're telling me that literally every single period of American history is racist? I'm like, there it is. It's <laughs> first end of the point and you still miss it somehow. Yeah, and it's just like, you have to acknowledge the fact, like, like, and everybody wants to say that racism is only slavery. It's just slaves, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's just like, it's completely, it just blows my mind that, that uh, I mean, that this is not only that this is a, a conversation that we're still having, you know, not, not even a progressive conversation, but like a stagnant, like repeating it yeah. over and over and over and over again conversation. But it's just like... How many different ways do I need to adjust the uh, the lens that you're viewing this through to get you to to understand it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's I think it's a case of of willful ignorance. You know, people mm-hmm. want to remain ignorant because honestly, ignorant. You know, like the the, the term ignorance is bliss is true. You know, it, it's much easier to just to just brush it off and say, oh, they're they're just disrespecting the flag. Oh, like every, everything they're saying is wrong. Uh, then actually sit down and and have your perspective and your worldview and everything no challenge. And that that also brings me into into another uh, something else I want to talk about is um, uh, like the oppression that we face has been more than just slavery. It's been more than just segregation. Uh, it goes into it, it goes a lot into education and it goes in, and it goes a lot into ignorance. Um, you know, uh, for example, I'm, I'm, gonna use, I'm gonna use this as an example. Um, I heard of the of the Tulsa race riots when I was probably 16, and I, and I heard it from some or on some late night History Channel thing, and I, I fell asleep running because I was already tired. But that was the only time I ever heard of it. And then a TV show, The Watchmen. They had like that was the beginning of the very first episode, and that event, the 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 Tulsa race massacre of 1921, was a big part of uh, of that series, and um, and a lot of people didn't know about it. So I looked into it, and it and and I was shocked to find out that it was real, you know. And there's a lot of my own history as a black man i know i'm my skin whatever so <laughs> well what can you so i personally don't know anything about the tulsa race uh um okay or... so in tulsa oklahoma 1920 1921 um there's this area of tulsa called black Wall street um it was successful black businesses banks restaurants you name it and it was yeah, it was nicknamed black wall street for that reason um and it was it was something that was not. Let me rephrase that. Actually, let me rephrase that. Um, white people didn't like that. Like that's just that's, like that's not inflammatory. Let's just be real. It was the nineteen twenties. Mm-hmm, white yeah. people didn't like. It. And so uh, the 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 riot lasted um, lasted a few a couple of days, if I remember correctly. Um, but basically, the KKK and a bunch of angry, angry white people from May 31st till June, till June 1st, 1921, they rioted and burned down building up to building and murdered 
murdered people. And I, and I don't mean just like bang, bang. I'm talking like, like come here, boy, grab me by the back of the head, bang, bang kind of thing, you know? Um, I, I'm and, really glad that you brought up a, a very violent historical example of the KKK because one thing I really wanted to kind of touch base on now that we're we're in this this uh, inflammatory mm-hmm. conversation of of, mm-hmm. of the racial t- racial tension in the United States, mm-hmm. um, one of my biggest pet peeves just going through my day to day life is the unquestioned. Um, belief that and it, it that that BLM and KKK are even comparable much less much less like how comparable they are but just the fact that people think acronym that supports black acronym that supports white supremacy like they must be the exact same and and I have this I've had this conversation at least 50 billion times um it's just like here, here we have a very, very excellent example of, of a violent historical example of a trend of examples that have been established for, you know, however long the KKK has been in existence to this day. And it's just like, first of all, kind of how dare you? Like, yeah. how dare you even, even imply that the two groups are remotely similar? Because like... The, the thing that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is they want to make BLM, they want to make the Black Lives Matter movement a single organization so bad. They want right to make it a, a hierarchy so bad where there's the emperor of Black Lives Matter and all of his cronies <laughs> are out doing the will of Antifa. You know what I mean? Like there's this whole... Black Lives Matter. Right. There's this whole, there's this whole like boogeyman scenario that's been fabricated entirely fabricated um off of very loose interpretations of very um how do i put this very very few and in and and far in between uh uh, scenarios where yes you know violence or 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 fire or property damage or you know what what you name it has occurred Mm -hmm. but it does not compare First of all, on the intention of the movement, the intention yeah. of the movement versus the physical <clears throat> manifestation of an actual organization with chapters and members and leaders and and and, and infrastructure, right? Yeah. Like if you're yeah. if you're gonna send a check to BLM, like who are you gonna send it to? There's like you go to you go to GoFundMe. There's like twelve different options. You go to Google. There's like a billion different options. Like there's no figurehead there's no one person that is blm there's no one organization that is blm but the kkk yeah. does exist as a physical organization so first of I'm, all i want to add i also want to add that there <laughs> uh, in modern history i, I want to say in, in recent history there have been, there's been two notable members of a certain party that were in the kkk david duke and steve king that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say um but to expand on what you're saying um i think people just get or I think it started in 2015 when the movement for or 2015 uh, around that timeline when the movement first started. I think people got stuck on the name, um, mm-hmm. like they, they, they hear the word Black Lives Matter. Well, you know, the people's first reaction was, "Oh no, well all lives matter." But and then and then and then they, they just dismissed it. They got stuck on the name. They, they didn't care about what Black Lives Matter as a movement was trying to say. They didn't care about what they were protesting. All they cared about was the name. 
you know and, and they, it, and they were concerned about making how can i make this an issue that i don't have to feel bad about exactly and so all lives matter quote unquote started off is literally literally only a counter protest and a counter argument to black lives matter because if it wasn't then people would get the same response to get the same response to something like blue lives matter or mm-hmm. or whatever you know but they only bring up all lives matter when somebody says black lives matter or worse um, oh and I, I love i love the audacity of this one but to 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 beat you to the racist punch and say and if you don't agree that all lives matter then you're racist and it's like uh, (laughs) i see what you're doing i see what you're trying to do here but that's not what that is you're trying to get there yeah so nobody ever said that only black lives matter Mm -hmm. nobody only nobody said that black lives matter more than anybody else that that's exactly what the kkk does they say white people are superior we're supreme we don't mix races exactly no blah 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 but black lives matter is literally saying hey we've been oppressed and we're tired of it stop pressing and people people conflate that with the kkk they're like oh well you're just fucking racist if you don't want to be oppressed excuse my language but they're like oh well if you're tired of being oppressed then you're just being racist no 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 no. people get stuck on the name Mm -hmm. and it's and and even going beyond that i think they um i think they like being they're feeling like they're a part of something without um or without having to change or challenge their worldview, you know, mm-hmm. change their worldview. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is, that again, goes back into the willful ignorance that I was talking about earlier. They would rather, or they would rather uh, band together and feel like they're a part of the, you know, quote unquote, all lives matter movement and not not have to have to look at something from a different perspective yeah, a lot of these people are people without their own original thoughts they're getting yes, these ideas yes. from from the media just because the right wing side of the media uh doesn't like uh football teams kneeling or uh the word black and black lives matter for why is it that that these people are all band together on the right side of uh, you know right and left if we're gonna split up America that way um, why are all the people on the right so against <laughs> people like like American <laughs> people like their yeah. own people these are Americans too and they're hurting yeah. like obviously if you cannot mm-hmm. see that then what the fuck is wrong with you? And why are you? Why do you have to stick to your side and parrot everything that they say that makes no logical sense at all? What what is with that? And I know none of us have degrees in psychology, but what what is going on there? And why can't we all just be Americans? It's why why are we split to left and right? Why are we split in conservative progressive? Why can't we all just be Americans? I think it goes into, uh, you mentioned the media. Um, again, like, I don't want to sound like somebody that, that's just like, oh, mainstream media is bad. Blah, blah. You should listen to this one instead of this one. No, but it, it's like you said, media. Well, CNN's a shit show, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, media, they, they thrive off of clicks, they thrive off of the views, mm-hmm. um, things like that. 
Um, for example, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be objective when I say this, but let's, let's say that the two biggest the two biggest news organizations when this discussion is happening about the media, CNN and Fox News, their licenses with the FCC, I believe, is infotainment. Infotainment. But but if you look at um, uh, but if you look at their uh, their stories that they push out, it's inflammatory. It's, it's titles. That, that make you want to click on that article yeah. so they can get the address. Right. It's there. Um, it's it's supposed to hook you in and and make you entertained. Yeah, yeah. And, and make you want to come back to read more mm-hmm. and read more. Keep get, and keep getting the advertisements, things like that. Um, but I think I think it's um, so inherent to American education. An American, the American mentality, you know that all racism, racism ended in 1964 when Martin Luther King died. Mm. No, like like it's so it's so inherent in American education that people don't want to to learn otherwise, and that's why I brought up the Tulsa race massacre because that's that's an important part of Black history, and I didn't know it until I was 23 years old. Right. Um, It's so inherent, and there's so so many things in Black history that that I don't know, and and and, and I'm sad, I, and, and I'm sad about that. Um, and it's something that that it's not something that's, that's going to change on its own. We need people out here protesting. Like we need to get people's attention, which mm-hmm. goes back to what you were saying earlier. We need to get people's attention and say, hey, you know, this is wrong. We've been oppressed. We, you know, like there's been more than it, it, racism is more than just it, or, or it's more than just somebody in the plan room. You know, racism is microaggressions. Racism is is the details of the justice system. Things that, you know, racism is, is more than just one thing. Your your surface idea. Right, so, and one thing I was gonna say is there's there's it there is an objective, statistically mm-hmm. measurable racism that we can do something about. But we can't do yeah. anything about. Um, immediately with any immediate results is obviously the hate in people's heart right like mm-hmm. racism if you define it as you know prejudices against a certain you know people of a certain ethnic background if it's just being mean to people of another race using their race as your weapon if, if we define mm-hmm. it that way which i know i know a lot of people do uh, especially people who try to have arguments on racism um mm-hmm. where's i going with that Man, I had a whole thing. <laughs> been there, been there. So we said... Somebody help me out. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about racism. And, uh, I mean... Yeah. I don't, I don't, Education. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember now. All right, so we're not going to be mm-hmm. able to uh, immediately get rid of, like, the, the, the hatred in people's hearts, right? We're not going to be able to just immediately banish people's... Like, we won't be able to make people just be nice all the time to everyone regardless. Mm-hmm. But we can do something about the systems that contribute to the marginalization of entire ethnic groups of people, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's important to understand because one of the most initially laughable things about the project, about the movement of, 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 of trying to get other people to agree that Black Lives Matter 
is that people are like they're just mad because you know so they have it hard or people are mean to them but i have it hard and people have been mean to me and it's like no 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 that's not what it is like it is way 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 bigger than that and you know maybe maybe we can't make everybody be nice but we can you know vote for better legislation we can uh try to try to do our parts to you know help with education we can do our part to help bring the kind of awareness and understanding that we need to to achieve the unity that we all want to get to right um so yeah it's it's uh hmm. and i think that is is or is another reason why why the two quote-unquote ideals clash you know people on the right say oh we, uh we just we just need to be you know uh united we need we need to come together as americans well their idea of that is shut the fuck up stop stop talking about black lives matter excuse my language again um their their idea of that is stop talking about it and shut up mm-hmm. well the other side is yes we can do that but you need to be, you need to understand why this is happening in the first place you need to understand and then once you understand and and realize that it's something we can fix then we can come together you know and that's yes. why those two ideas clash one is inaction and one is action and, and it's, think, it's like it's like the 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 problem is getting worse the check engine light is on it's like one side one side is saying check the check engine light it's literally holding up a danger like emergency sign it's like yeah. check engine light is on and then the other side is like car's still moving car is yeah. still moving exactly. i yeah. put gas I in it, it and it still goes it. so I'm not messing with it because I don't know what's going to happen if I mess with it. And we've ignored that check engine light for so long that now the car is about to explode. Like the, the car, car is literally burning. on fire. Yeah. And that's why you're exactly. seeing that's why you're seeing all the, you know, everything that's happening around the country. Tensions boil over into into, you know, the, into protest and yeah. you know, in a few cases obviously there's been riots, there's been property damage, there's been crime, but <laughs> The the thing is like <clears throat> it's it's all symptoms of the issue. You don't just say symptoms go away. You have to solve the issue that is causing the symptoms. And that's mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to address the issue, to stop pretending like it doesn't exist, to listen to the people who are speaking who have who have experienced things firsthand to to you know, take a look at what the objective numbers are telling us in terms of the contributing factors you know what i mean like it has to be a conversation that's willing to be heard in the first place and the fact that there's a there's there's echoes literally all over the world but the it's falling on deaf ears here at home is is just mind-blowing to me because it's like jesse said it's there's we're all American citizens. If we're not all looking out for all of our best interests, then what the fuck are you pledging allegiance to whenever you're doing your Pledge of Allegiance? When you're singing the national anthem, if you're not talking about everybody here, then who the fuck are you talking about? Like, just your friends? Like, your friends don't make up the whole country. The people that you like don't make up the whole country. There's a whole population of people that need to be considered... Before you just say, oh, that's not an issue. We have it better than we've ever had it. Don't even worry about it. It's like, no, we need to worry about it because while these other things get better, these other things that we're looking at, this problem is getting worse. 
and Western. With, with, while while uh, I can't remember where I heard the term, but it's like sprinkling rights on people, just like uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I think it was Jeff who said it. Uh, just like sprinkle on a few rights here, sprinkle on liberties, you know, enforce protections there. And they're just <laughs> drizzling it on the surface and just like eat up. Like no, man, we got a lot more coming before this issue is solved. And if exactly. you're going to, it, it's it's kind of like the. Um, and again, you know, I'm not a, a, a history professor or any kind of lawyer or anything, but I know that there was a lot of instant knee-jerk reaction legislation passed with mm-hmm. every every step taken forward in terms of, of you know, uh, equality and civil rights. There was a knee-jerk reaction in whatever area it, there could have been a, a knee-jerk reaction. I know that there is still a number of, like, detectively racist laws on the books in a lot of like southern states and and uh uh you know it's 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 an undeniable presence you know what i mean it's an it's an undeniable objective measurable yes presence. exactly it is measurable it is it, it, more than just all some liberal propaganda this is more than all just uh, some black people in america because they got shot in the police this is something that is like Which, said, why shouldn't they be? <laughs> there is uh, a mountain of evidence and there's a myriad of ever-growing cases of these very things happening, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but this is something else. So, uh, so this is something I wanted to bring up. Um, so a few months ago, unfortunately, there was a young boy that died. His name was Cannon Hennett. Um, he was killed by a black man. Um, not the details of, what, of why it happened yeah. or whatever. are still debated but um it was sad it was it was terrible but like immediately in media reaction people were saying oh well uh, why is there no outcry for justice well his killer was found in 24 hours that's why right if you look at brianna taylor's killers um uh john mattingly brett hankinson and miles cosgrove like i'm gonna say their names until they get arrested Mm -hmm. but her killers are still free Mm-hmm. George, it took weeks of protesting and, or, or including, or in all fifty states and twelve countries across the world, to get not only George Floyd's killer arrested on, or sorry, charged with more than third degree murder, but to get the other officers that were involved that just stood by and were complacent in it. It took weeks for that to happen. Breonna well, Taylor's killer is still free. Elijah McClain's killers are still free, and I, I could literally quite literally sit here and talk to you for an hour and just say, this person has been killed and is still alive. Or sorry, this person has been killed and their killer is still free. Um, for example, um, uh, that's a good example talking about. Um, Tamir Rice, that's a great example. Um, Tamir Rice, uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's 12 years old, he was yeah. in, Toy guy, he was in right. Cleveland. Yeah, so he had a toy gun on him, and he was killed within seconds of the cop showing up to the scene. The cop didn't get out, or the cop didn't get over on a speaker and say, and say, put the gun down, put your hands up. He didn't get out and say, put your hands up. He didn't point his gun at him and hold it there and say, freeze, put your hands up. He pulled up to the scene, opened his door, bang, bang, Tamir Rice is dead, 12 years old. And people's justification for that, oh, well, he had a toy gun, it looked like a real gun. But those very, very same people, those very, very same people are huge, huge supporters of the Second Amendment. They're, they say, oh, 
uh, everybody should be armed. You know, uh, my second amendment right shall not be infringed. You know, you know, like, you know, the whole shall not thing is a huge, or is a huge phrase that I have to say. Uh, my second amendment right shall not be infringed. Um, but then the second a black person gets killed, the first thing they say is, oh, well, well, did he have a gun? So, so their, their two ideas are conflicting. Everybody should have a gun to protect themselves against, you know, um, against the tyrannical con- government. They're yeah. not conflicting if you view it through the lens that they view some people as people and some people as not people. Then That's there's no point. disconnect. Then it makes perfect sense. Because then they're like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, people who look like, look me, like me, people who aren't an obvious threat just by looking at them. When it's just like, what, what was an obvious threat about that person? What in any context was an obvious threat about that person unless you have an implicit bias against people that look like him, right? Yeah. So, so what, it's, it's. <clears throat> or yeah. even being in certain neighborhoods. Like, yeah. Just because you unfortunately grew up impoverished in a bad neighborhood, you're walking around your neighborhood wearing a, a black hoodie, you know, with the hood up, all of a sudden you're a target, like, but why? You're just mm-hmm. going, you're, you know, maybe you're trying to get to school, but. So, I have a story, actually, um, uh, if you don't mind me telling it. Yeah, please. Um, so, I was 17 years old. It was my junior year of high school. I was delivering phone books with um, or with a friend and his mother. Basically, it, it's, just, it's just exactly like it sounds. You walk up, you drop the phone book on somebody's front door and go to the next one, right? Well, there, uh, the system that we used uh, to track was, or it was a little clicker and it had a button on it. You clicked it. Well, the neighborhood that we were delivering it in was, uh, it was more or less an across the track situation. Like my house was two blocks away, but this particular neighborhood was, um, was rich middle to upper middle class white people. Um, and, but I was familiar with the neighborhood and we realized that the, at the end of deliveries that one of the trackers had died. Um, so I told them not to worry. I said, uh, I'll, I'll go through and just, and just click in front of all the houses that we missed and, um, and don't, and I'll give the checker back, uh, when I see you at school tomorrow, something simple like that. Right. So I went home, I noticed that it was starting to sprinkle a tiny bit. So I, so I put a hoodie on I got, and I got on my bicycle. Right. So I started pedaling, I started pedaling and then, you know, in front of every house, click, you know, and I, and, and I was, lo- I was looking to make sure they had a phone book or to make sure I recognized the house, click, click. Now. Being objective in this situation, I could understand how somebody would would think that's like that's a little weird. Somebody has a little device, but so the first person I was talking to was this old white lady. She pulled up. She said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And she said, "What tone? Like, what are you doing?" And she said, "Boy." She she said, "Boy," in that tone as a ah, you know, exactly, I know, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. She said, "What are you doing, boy?" And I was like, "I'm just confirming your phone book deliveries." I was like, "You got a phone book, right?" She said, "Yeah, but what does that uh, what's the ch- uh, cl- words? What does the tracker have to do with it?" I said, "I need to make sure I get paid because I, I, I'm not doing this for free." She said, "Whatever," and sped off. Um, second person stopped me was this was uh, one of those uh, how do I describe them? Good old boys and a big in a big yeehaw truck with those yeah. with, with the and those glasses and the and the, the thousand bumper stickers on the back of his truck and mm-hmm. no you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. And, and he called me boy again with that same tone. He was like, Hey boy, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm like, confirming phone book deliveries and I got an attitude with him. I was like, I'm confirming phone book deliveries, bro. Like I I at put, this point you're tired of it. Like 
I was like, I put a phone book on your front door earlier. I'm making sure I get paid for it because I'm not a damn slave. Now, are you done? Can I go? Now he had he had a neighborhood watch sticker on his uh, on on his on his door, which is the only reason why I even why I even gave him courtesy of stopping. It's, that's the reason I gave him a courtesy of stopping. And I forgot what he said. He's he's sped off right. About five minutes later, mind you, I'm riding on the sidewalk. I'm not even riding in the street. I'm riding on the sidewalk. This cop pulls in front of me and stops and stops in the driveway of a, of a house in front of me. <coughs> and I already knew what was going on. I was like, oh, you're gonna be kidding me. So I'm like. How you doing, officer? What's up? He said, and this is a moment that I never in a million years, like to this day, I still cannot believe it. This cop looked at me and said, he said, what is that? I saw him like bumper tracker. I gave him the same, same spiel. And he said, look, son, I got to be honest with you. You got some color in your skin. There's a bunch of racial white people in this neighborhood. And they didn't like that. He's like, ain't you wearing a hoodie so they can't see your face all the way? He's like, he was like, uh, you got discriminated against. He was like, I'm sorry, because, because the report was called in as as a suspicious black kid riding around the bike in the neighborhood. And mind you, being objective, I'm light skinned. I'm not that dark. Mm-hmm. And but to them, I'm just but to them, I'm just another black kid. Mm-hmm. And the cop looked at me and was like, son, I'm sorry that this happened. I will tell dispatch to ignore all calls regarding you. He's like, you finished getting. He's like, you finished getting your 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 phone book deliveries confirmed. And he, and he said, I'll drive around the, the, the neighborhood to make sure that to make sure that that guy doesn't bother you. Because because I, I told him about the guy because because the guy looked like he was on the verge of getting out the car. But I told him I was like, oh, I, I told him that the guy stopped me and was like yelling at me. So he said, he said, uh, I'll make a couple more laps around the around the neighborhood and make sure that guy doesn't mess, doesn't mess with you. And if I see him, I'll tell him to stop. And I told him I told him the color of the guy's truck and whatever. But but racism was, doesn't exist if we don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like people exactly. don't realize that that cop. is the world we live in today. And like, and, and this was a cop, and not just like a regular cop. He was like, he, uh, he was like, a, 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 like one of those redneck cops that, that you would see on cops that, that you know is looking for the or sorry on the show cops that's looking and you know itching for an opportunity to slam somebody in the ground and plant crack in their pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. he, like he, he reminded me, he had that kind of vibe to him. And he, and he apologized. He was like, "I'm sorry, you were discriminated against. I'll make sure this doesn't happen again." That is that is an example of the kind of cop that should be every that that every cop should be, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but that was just one situation. I've been discriminated against multiple times. Right. Like, I can say you're talking yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, it's but a. In the, it's a reality yeah. that people refuse to acknowledge is especially a, when they've never been in your shoes daily daily yeah. and like that that story will always stick out to me because an actual because a police officer officer you know like the you know from the same police that you know from, from the same american police system I, I know there's no national police system but it's it's you know you know what i'm saying but the same people that we are facing discrimination and oppression from told me that I was being discriminated against mm-hmm. because of the color of my skin. And you have people on the other side of the aisle, so to speak, saying, oh, well, racism is just, or like you said, it's something that'll go away if, if we just don't talk about it. Or no, you're just being inflammatory. It's not about race. Or not why are you making about everything about race? Exactly. Yes. Uh, exactly. Not everything about race. And it's just, 
that that like that's why that story will always stick out to me. Um, it's a story that I would tell over and over again. I, I wish I could remember the officer's name so I could thank him, but like I was too I was too worried about about, about getting out of the rain <laughs> to look at his badge number. Well, one but, thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say one thing that I I found uh, pretty interesting was when we were touching base on uh, the kind of BLM versus KKK uh, mm-hmm. kind of dichotomy there. Um, because one thing I noticed is that a lot of people conflate, again, they don't do any research on the issue. They, their entire knowledge consists of about five or six inflammatory headlines and some cheaply edited YouTube videos. And that's, that's the entire encyclopedia. Right. So that, so, (laughs) so those are the, the, the majority that I've understood the, the naysayers to be. Like, I, that, that's, that's what I've understand their, understood their composition to be. Right. Um, but one of the big things I see them conflate uh, BLM with, aside from the KKK, is the uh, Black Panthers. And, um, <laughs> yep, I, I, I see it right there. Um, but, again, it's going from one ill-educated, over-reductive, like, perception of it to and then using it to confer with another topic that they have no real education on um but i understand that you know a thing or two about the black panthers so i was hoping you to you'd kind of weigh in on that so first of all how how is the blm not that because we already we we've distinguished that the blm is not an actual organization with a mailing address and a and a figurehead and a uh infrastructure of any kind it's it's literally just a movement so yeah. how else is is black panther are are the black panthers different from so what we understand as blm today yeah yeah so the black panthers are more than just a political party where you just fill your name or we just fill a bubble in and you remember it that's not that's not how it works so if you remember the black panthers you had to read 10 books on socialism and you had to and you had to prove that you knew what you were fighting for. You had to prove that you knew what you were talking about. And you had to, again, prove that you were, that, that you didn't want to just, you know, join the party so you could walk around with a gun, you know, because it was more than that. So it um, was a, a brick and mortar organization. It, it had boots on the ground. Like, yes, yes. They, like, had a, like, they had a goal. Yes, they had, they, had, they had chapters in, I think it was 12 or 13 states in the, in the, in the very early stages. Um, and they, they had actual title names, like for example, Fred Hampton, one of the famous, uh, stories of, uh, of the police assassinating somebody, which I'll, which I'll touch on later, by the way. Um, he was uh, like, they referred to him as chairman Hampton. You know, if you look, if, if you look, if you watch the interview, uh, or sorry, if you watch interviews of people talking about Fred Hampton, people in the party, people that that the party helped out the people that the party, um, you know, fought for. Mm-hmm. Um, Who did they, the party fight for? Everybody, everybody. People conflate the KKK to the Black Black Panthers to the KKK because of the, because of the name Black. Because it's the same um, same format. Yeah, it's, it's, it's they, don't, they don't like the word Black. It's an ethnic group <laughs> that that gets together and says we. Well, I got to be careful how I phrase this. They, they see the format of, of same skin tone. They see the format of like, mm-hmm. 
the 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 organizational infrastructure and they're like that's got to be the same exact thing with a different sticker on it and yeah so i'll actually touch on that um fred hampton the person the the person that i mentioned before his whole goal was to create what he called a rainbow coalition of, of all oppressed people you know something he talked about all the time in his speeches it's, it's something he said multiple times black power to black people white power to white people brown power to brown people his whole idea was or sorry his whole set of ideals was to get people to understand that that it was that you know oppression isn't white versus black white people hating black people black people hating filipinos filipinos hating puerto ricans things like that mm -hmm. that it it was the ruling class versus versus the working class that was his whole goal that's it um and so when people say the Black Panthers are racist uh, or were racist, um, they wouldn't have been able to do their free breakfast program. A lot of people don't know. Um, they had a program, was, uh, or, so they, they talked to a lot of students, they talked to teachers, and they realized that um, in the mornings at school, um, the kids weren't able to focus because they were hungry. So what they did was they went, they went around to local markets and said, and said hey, um, if you'll make donations to our or to our um, to our free, our free breakfast program, we will put your uh, your store in an advertisement for our newspaper. Because the Black Panther Party had a news or had a newsletter, basically, or more or less a newsletter, newspaper, however, however you want to describe it. And these store owners weren't like uh, weren't just black. These are white store owners. These are Asian store owners. Hispanic, um, Asian. Uh, I already said that, but. If the, if the Black Panthers were racist, you wouldn't have had white people donating literally tons of food to their free breakfast program, you know? Because, like, they weren't getting anything retur in return other than other than an advertisement slot in the paper, you know, from the way I understand it. Again, I, again, I need to clarify, I'm not an expert. I don't have a doctor. I've just been doing, doing a lot of studying recently. Um, but Fred Hampton's whole goal was to get people to realize that, that the, the ruling class, the, uh, the rich elite, um, or the rich, the elite, whatever you want to call them, their whole goal was to get poor, poor people to fight amongst each other. He said their whole goal is to get poor white people to hate black people, to hate Puerto Ricans, to hate Filipinos, to hate Asians, to hate Chinese and all that. Like that was his goal to, to get people to understand that racism is just that. It was their, it was the ruling class's way to get us to, to fight and worry about each other instead of realizing that the ruling class is actually, is actually the ones doing the oppression. So are we, can we, can we all agree that this is still going on? Yes, yes, absolutely. 100%. Is that, so uh, for me, I've kind of been of the thought for a while that uh, racism is a problem, but mm -hmm. the biggest problem is classism. I, I, yeah. I've seen it for a long time and I grew up, you know, I, I was a white kid in an impoverished neighborhood in a mm -hmm. predominantly black school system and uh what i always felt was that the the ruling class or the people on top didn't want me to succeed whether i was white or black or any it was because i was poor and i had to resort to you know crime to get by at times and and then once you get into that system, they like to keep you in that system. They like to keep the poor people down. They don't want, for some reason, they don't want us to climb the ladder and be up there with them. Um, so I've always 
I've always thought a lot about the classism that that has always gone on in America. And I didn't for one I didn't know that uh Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers were were actually fighting that cause. And uh, yeah. and that's a very noble cause and um I I I just I've been sitting here thinking why is it is it a problem with the word black? Is that the problem? Absolutely. 100%. Um, and if, I mean, if they were just the Panthers, would it be okay? Because, you know, they, they were fighting for lower class people to have a place in society. If they were just called the Panthers, would it have been okay? If is, Black Lives Matter is just lives matter, is it okay? What What uh, is it about the word black that makes people so uncomfortable? Racism. Yeah, racism. <laughs> and, and what is what is so wrong? Black, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, the first thing that comes to mind is racism that black people experience. But then, but then they're like, oh no, like like I don't want to think about that. I don't want to challenge my worldview, so I'm just gonna say they're being racist. But you know, what like, what is wrong with black people? Even if black people are unifying with black people to come up and make a better life for themselves, what is wrong with that? What's bad? What's bad about that? There's just nothing. Like and the that. problem is whenever people are like, Well, what's wrong with white people doing that? It's like there's nothing wrong it's, with anybody it's, doing it's, that. Let me let me summarize it with this argument. Um, I've had a conversation about well, why is there no white history month? It's like, no no no, you don't understand. <laughs> Every day of the year is white history day. Yes. Every single month is white history month. And mm-hmm. you have to understand that. Like especially like when every you're in the second age. of of American history <clears throat> is white history seconds like they're, they're it's all white history like you have to understand like they did not they're not telling the the stories of the ancestral heritage of the slaves they brought over they mm-hmm. did everything they could to eliminate entire cultures worth of native uh native history artifacts uh uh ways of life that trying to uh convert those uh you know those that they whose lives they did spare into uh christians to eliminate their culture the 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 savage culture so like don't 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 try to say that it's anything but white history that's what it is and if we gave other cultures and societies and even shit the marginalized groups within our own ranks our own citizens if we gave Mm -hmm. them the time of day to hear the the culture and origin that extends beyond uh you know, the last few generations, it's like, oh, we were severely impacted by the presence of white people. And it's like, sorry, that's just what history said. They they came over here and killed everybody and got everyone sick, and then they left. And yeah. like, what 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 what? How else do you describe what happened there? And then every second beyond that, everybody who stayed, everybody who took took over, spent every waking moment. Make creating a system by which they and their offspring would benefit until the end of time. They very specifically prioritized themselves in that. This is detectable in history. Slavery would not have existed if this principle did not apply here, right? Like so, it just it blows my mind entirely. The audacity that it takes to say, "What about white history month?" They just want the word white in something. <laughs> right, they, they, dude. 
they want to be they or they want to feel like they're a part of something but because they're not black or because they're not latino or whatever they feel like they're, they feel like they're being left out and they're like what about but, my team I'm like your team has had its time to shine you've for literally a really been winning the whole time yeah like um <laughs> so so we're getting pretty late into this uh um at the end of these little interviews i like to just ask our guest you know what what do you think we should do from here on out what uh if there's any hope for the situation in america um what would you like to see happen i want to see a few things i want to see people accept responsibility and accept the dark history that this country has you know when, when it comes to race and, and i want to see people get out and vote I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, your vote doesn't matter because the electoral college did not. Uh, if you look at when Roy Moore, the, uh, the accused uh, child molester or, or whatever, or whatever he's he being accused of, he lost that election because a black man showed up. And I think uh, I, I, I could be misquoting the statistics. 95% for black men and 98% for, for black women. Lost the, he lost that election in a landslide. Uh -huh. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that if every... If every black person that was able to vote showed up to vote, uh, things would be a lot different than they are now. And 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 if my words are wrong, then people wouldn't try so hard, try so damn hard to keep people from voting. You know, things like gerrymandering, redlining, um, taking away felons' rights, or making certain things felonies, uh, things that absolutely should not be felonies, things like possession, things that you see in like inner cities. But that's a diff that's a different topic. But I want to see. We'll have to visit sometime. You said what? I said it's a topic we'll have to visit sometime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I absolutely will do that. Um, but I want to see everybody vote. I want to see the biggest voter turnout in American history. I think like, or I'm not sure what the highest percentage is, but I know like we can do it. We just have to be willing to. Mm -hmm. Like we have to be willing to do it. So well, a lot of people's problem is, who do I vote for? When you don't agree with either option, it it makes it pretty damn hard. But I feel I do feel like as a as a counter argument to that, I feel like that is a product of the initial not voting of the initial not voting right. because we ended up with these two because the most uh, consistent, the most active and engaging uh, audience for politics right now is the older crowd who wants everything to stay the way that they're comfortable with, mm -hmm. right? The young voters barely turn out uh, again, I could be I could be completely wrong about this, but it's my understanding that young voters turn out in far fewer numbers than older people and that um, mm -hmm. we're also, you know, <clears throat> just we're, we're, we're not as active, we don't have the conversations as much we don't go out to the polls um, I think it's also now we're starting to have the, more, the conversations more, but we're still not doing. Anything. I think it's also that when it comes to voting, it's not just it's not just going out and voting for the president. Right, it's voting uh, for Congress. It's uh, Congress members. It, it's voting throughout the year in all different situations, and all of those votes and the people that are elected from those votes go on to. Uh, you know decide who's going to be president and so that's mm -hmm. kind of what 
as young people, we have to make that known that it's not just voting at the end of the year or at the end of the, the four years for a president. It's every year in every situation that we need to be paying attention to uh, all the way down to our own communities. Yeah. Look at 2018. Uh, I remember seeing seeing several articles and, and, and studies showing that that there was a, there was a very very high voter turnout in 2018, or or at least relative to 2016, 2012, mm-hmm. 2010, so and so. And that's how the, that's how the Democrats were able to flip the house because because yeah. the, the Republicans had control of, had, had control of all three. They had control of the House, Senate, and the White House, and they lost it like that because people actually showed, actually got up off their asses and went, went out and voted. And now the dem- now the Democrats control the House. Yeah. You know? mm. So um, anything else? You um, probably there's a lot you could say, but no, yeah. Um, I just want to say, uh, hold on. Actually, I will. I will look at this real quick. Look at this real quick. Um, You know what? Uh, I guess it's not that. You know what? I'm just gonna say uh, arrest Breonna Taylor's killers. Breonna Taylor's killers are Jonathan Mattingly, Brett Hankinson, and Miles Cosgrove. They're still walking free to this day, it, or as of today, which is September 18th. No, 19th. Sorry, 20th. <laughs> 20th. As of September 20th, her killers are still walking free, and that is absolutely unacceptable. Her, her killers need to be arrested and charged with murder. Murder. Not man's murder. Absolutely. That's the last thing I wanted to say. Agreed, man. We we appreciate your time. Appreciate yeah. your service. And I appreciate uh, you having me on, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. We'll definitely do it again because oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. can tell there's 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 still so much more that you want to say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We appreciate it, man, and we'll we'll catch up with you later. Take it uh, easy, my right. friend. I'm glad you uh, glad you came on. Glad you shared all that with us and. Um, for the listeners and viewers, uh, he's going to be sending us a whole bunch of links and stuff to, uh, to mm-hmm. verify the claims mm-hmm. and to give us a little bit of homework that we can study up on ourselves. So I highly encourage checking all that out and uh, reading up on the stuff that we're talking about. You know, don't, don't just let us be the ones having the conversation. Let's all have the conversation. Let's all do our due diligence, read the article, you know. Right. It, it extend our perceptions beyond just sensational headlines, Facebook timeline, etc. You know, this was absolutely do a little more. All right, man. Appreciate it. Peace. Have a good one.